8th February, 1941 My dear Dorothea, in wartime, people become desperate. We step outside ourselves. The truth is, I love you, and I am sorry that only now do I own it. You love me. I will not forget the touch of your hand on my head and on my neck when you thought I slept. A touch of love, no longer imagined. Nobody will touch me like that again. This I know. This is my loss. Forgive me, Dorothea, for I cannot forgive you. What you do to this child, to this child's mother, it is wrong. It is misplaced, like me, forced out of my homeland, perhaps never to return. You too will never return, if you persist in this scheme. You will persist, yet even now it can be undone. But I know you will not undo. Your soul will not return from this that you do. Please believe me. In welcoming the one into your arms, you must lose another. I cannot withstand. You know why. I do not enjoy writing these words to you. Actually, I cry. Once this war is finished, and it must finish, we could have made a life together. To spend my life with you has become my only great dream and desire. After our first meeting, as I rode away on my bicycle, I knew you were as important to me as water. I knew you were for all time even as there is no time. I thought of marriage within minutes of meeting you. But it cannot be. You are an honorable woman, but this thing that you do is beyond honor. You do so much to be good, yet you go back on yourself. You invite dishonor. I cannot write clearly, but you will understand. My truly beautiful Dorothea, Despite everything, our friendship must here end. I wish you all joy of this world. Yours, Jan Pietrakowski. I found this letter in a 1910 edition of The Infant's Progress, From the Valley of Destruction to Everlasting Glory. I placed the book on Philip's desk for pricing, and it went into the antiquarian books cabinet, priced at a modest £15. I clean books. I dust their spines, their pages, sometimes one at a time. Painstaking, throat-catching work. I find things hidden in books. Dried flowers, locks of hair, tickets, labels, receipts, invoices, photographs, postcards, all manner of cards. I find letters, unpublished works by the ordinary, the anguished, the illiterate. Clumsily written or eloquent, they are love letters, everyday letters, secret letters and mundane letters, talking about fruit and babies and tennis matches, from people signing themselves as Marjorie or Jean. My boss, Philip, long used to such finds, is blasé, and whatever he finds, he places aside for me to look at. You can't keep everything, he reminds me. And of course he's right. 
But I can't bring myself to dispose of these snippets and snapshots of lives that once meant, or still do mean, so much. I walked into the old and new bookshop as a customer 11 years ago and returned the following day as its first employee. Quietly impetuous owner-manager Philip asked me to work with him. As he said, we were soon to enter a new millennium, so it was time to change, time to take stock, literally. He appreciated my way of loving books and my ability to get on with others. He claimed he found people difficult. They're generally pretty rotten, aren't they? He said, and I half agreed. He also once declared, Books tell many stories besides those printed on the pages. Did I know that? I did. Books smell, they creak, they talk. You hold in your hand now a living, breathing, whispering thing. A book. Philip told me on the day I started work in his bookshop, Study books, smell them, hear them. You will be rewarded.